Hey everybody, welcome back to the cabin. Fired another firewood day. <laughs> October 30th, so I'm pushing it here. Trying to get some, uh, well, at least get this shed full of the stuff that I've got just scattered around the cabin. So far I've stacked, my wife and I have stacked about 20 face cords. I've prepared and stacked 20 face cords of uh, hardwood and now I'm getting into some of the softwood especially these slabs that came off the mill it's mostly pine and spruce and some fir so it's not good for burning like for heat but it's good for getting fires started and for quick um, cooking fires and I see the chimneys getting pretty creosoted up there I'm gonna have to clean that I think before winter really gets going anyway in pretty good shape for firewood but I have it kind of scattered so I'd like to get more of it under cover before winter but 20 phase cords is enough for probably a year and a half so I'm not uh, out of wood I'm not worried about having enough wood for this year but some of that is green so I'm going to continue to find all the uh, dead standing trees around the workshop that's where most of the stuff is stacked right now well, most of the hardwood because that's where most of the hardwood stand is. So I've got beech, uh, hard maple, oak, uh, some soft maple, red maple, uh, yellow birch, and a little bit of paper birch. So that area there, I've got some pretty good sized dead standing beech trees especially, and a, and a few maples, quite a few maples, maybe the odd oak. So that's great firewood to burn for this year. So I'll get that cut, uh, separate it, burn it for this year, and then keep the, the unseasoned and the wet stuff for following your Now a lot of that uh, wood probably what five six phase cords I would say of that hardwood is stuff that I had cut down to clear the area for the gardens and I had left the logs on the ground so I'm just cutting them up now and it's what three years later and splitting them up so some of it's bad like it's too rotten to use and then some of it the core is good but the outside soft and punky and holding moisture so I have to let that dry out a little bit but uh, mainly what I'm doing this year is just mixing some green seasoned wood green wood unseasoned wet wood that's punky and good hard dry stuff <laughs> so good combination so I got to really pay attention on every fire how I'm mixing matching that that wood well for example out here a couple birch trees you can see Birch problem with birch trees is that when they die, the birch bark actually holds in the moisture, so they tend to rot even when they're standing to the point where they just fall over, and when that happens, they're already too far gone to, to use as effective firewood. It's just too saturated with, with moisture, so it's not as good. But there's one that I cut down that's hanging right there in the other one. Cut that early summer, so it's been standing up, kind of wedged in that tree, so it wouldn't be too far gone to use for this year but yeah firewood when you're burning wood for for heat and for cooking uh, there's a lot of variables size of the stove size of the firebox being one of them and how well you can control the airflow so the air that's going up the chimney you can see on the stove here when I'm cooking I'll close the damper on the, the uh, chimney pipe itself so that's basically stopping the air and the hot air from rushing up the chimney so by closing that over it kind of 
comes up the heat and then kind of curls back down inside the stove. When I open that up, the heat goes up faster. If I close the dampers down low and keep that damper on the flue, on the chimney pipe open, it'll smoke more because it's not getting enough oxygen down or less oxygen down at the fire level but that's still the heat and the smoke still going up the chimney but if i open up the lower dampers that are allowing air into the stove as well as that chimney one the fire just races through which is good for just getting a really um like a hot fire going which helps burn out the creosote in the chimney and in the firebox itself and the glass especially and then I can damper that down and once there's some coals in there and then put wood in and then control the fire exactly for what I need it to, to well depending on what I'm using it for whether it's heat or cooking or whether it's for overnight. So for cooking what I'm doing is using soft wood so all these slabs would be good for that so let's say the fire's died right down it's just a little bed of coals in there from the night before or something so in the morning let's say I'm gonna make coffee so I'll throw some of the soft wood in which burns really fast and really hot but doesn't uh, leave a coal and it doesn't create a sustained fire but it heats up the firebox and the chimney and the stovetop very quickly and then i if then the next best thing on that would be small splits of oak or something hardwood but dry that'll put a lot of heat out like more heat than the than the softwoods and a more sustained heat so that's going to create a lot of uh, quick heat that'll uh, fire up and heat up that stove and allow me to cook faster or boil water quicker. And then what I'll do is I'll find my dry wood. So let's say because of this mixture of seasoned and unseasoned wood, what I'll do is I'll take some a good chunk or two of hardwood dry, um, ideally like a really hard wood that has a lot of BTU, a lot of stored energy in it. So that would be, for me, it would be oak, ash, and hard maple would be the best woods here. Um, ironwood, I have a lot of that, but it tends to be smaller and I keep it in rounds. So not quite as good for, for getting a hot fire if I want a fairly quick fire. Uh, what else? Uh, yellow birch is really good. So what do I have? I have no hickory, no walnut. So what I have here is a lot of pioneer species in the pine forest here. So I have the pine spruce and birch, or a fir, sorry, uh, balsam fir, which are the softwoods that are not good for burning other than those quick hot fires. And the other problem with that wood, by the way, is that it sparks a lot. So if the door of the stove's open a bit, sparks will come flying out, sparks will go up the chimney, which is creates a risk of uh, chimney fire. And for an outdoor fire, it creates a lot of sparks that are jumping into your face, but also can go up into these pine trees so you gotta it's really good campfire wood because it sounds nice and it burns hot and and high and fast but it is sparky so it's not great for inside anyway the pioneer species that are growing in this pine forest are the trees that got started about 80 85 years ago whenever that fire went through here they germinated first so i have these old birch trees and then some younger birch that have been propagated by those older birch. So the birch tree is kind of a medium level um, uh, energy output firewood. Uh, red maple, another pioneer species, is we call it soft maple, so it's not as dense as the hard sugar maple, which I have less of here. Um, cherry, which again are mostly small here because they're growing 
they got kind of overtaken by these pine and spruce trees so they got shaded out so they're all small and kind of twisted but they're good firewood um the aspen they got lots of aspen but it's not great that'll be um, quaking aspen here um, poplar species and they're not uh, great for firewood it's just uh, uh it's just not good firewood it's too soft and it's kind of punky it doesn't even burn really that great it kind of just smolders a little bit but in a pinch it's fine it's what uh, matches are often made of actually so it'll burn good if you split it up like that but then it just burns really fast okay so the really hard woods like i mentioned are for me you got uh, sugar maple very little ash left it's all died off because of the emerald ash borer so i think i might have seen my last no there might be a few ash trees in the low spot back here which that's where the black ash does grow in these low areas i might have a few left but i cut one of the last ones that i'm aware of down the other day and it was dead just died this year finally um, but anyway that's really good firewood so so oak red oak i don't have any white oaks so it's red oak ash black ash um uh, yellow birch which is a really good hardwood it's much different than paper birch or white birch the sugar maple in patches have a lot of it and that is really good firewood it's really hard really dense holds a good, a good coal like makes a good coal so i'm getting this firewood shed stacked here which would be used for wood for burning inside but also for the outdoor kitchen got a bunch of wood here they're going to split up a lot of that soft wood which will be good for the outdoor kitchen i don't mind hot quick sparky fires in there that uh, you know boil some water quickly with yeah, and then all the hardwood in the pile or uh, stacks by the um, workshop that's the majority of it and that's oh it's a lot of beach so beach has been dying around the workshop so i got all this big all these huge beach that i'm cutting up but some of those i've had on the ground cut them down early so that they wouldn't fall over and uh, i need to cut those off some of them are punky and some of them are not even usable anymore but some of the big ones are the cores are still really good and hard so that's it for here i know it's different all over the country all over the countries and all over the world people have access to different types of firewood out west a lot of times it's all softwoods but some of those softwoods are harder than our softwoods here because of the way they grow and the species so it's different everywhere but i'm fortunate that i live in an area that i've got access to lots of these softwood trees for building materials so all the spruce and pine that i used to build the cabin for example and then i have all the nice hardwoods for tapping for maple uh, syrup maple sugar and for firewood so kind of got the best of both worlds here anyway in your area i'm just curious what you guys use and what you find you maybe share in the comments below what um what's good in your region so anybody that's starting up or new to homesteading or new to heating or cooking with wood in your area know um, know what the best woods are anyway that's it i'm gonna sign out here and get back to work see start sun starting to come out so we'll see if i can get some make some good progress here and get lots of wood put away. Now the other thing about firewood is that you're looking for not as dry wood as you can get but pretty dry firewood in order to work uh, efficiently what will happen if you have wood that's unseasoned so it's green like it's recently alive 
or if it's just saturated, it's really wet, is that the, the uh, fire, let's say you had an existing fire and it's, or coals in the firebox, and you put it on a piece of wood that's unseasoned, so it's got a high moisture content, you'll actually hear the water boiling in that wood and coming out the ends, coming out the end grain, because the grain's running mostly this way. So the water's bubbling out the ends here and it's taking a lot of energy to boil that water first just to dry the wood out so you can literally you know have a really hot bed of coals or even some firewood on fire inside so flame inside the firebox you put on some wet wood and it kind of just sucks the heat out of out of the fire because the fire is now well it's like putting water basically on the fire so you end up with um, a much cooler firebox so it cools everything down and that's when you get creosote issues that's when the smoke starts to accumulate on the glass of the fire of your fireplace or the sidewalls or especially in the chimney because as the heat and smoke is going up the chimney the further the chimney is away from the fire the hot fire the cooler it gets so on a cold day by the time it gets out the top of the chimney it might be quite cool and that's where it just uh, solidifies the the uh, creosote solidifies and you get a thick layer of that creosote on there and that's what catches fire that's why you need to clean out your chimney uh, a couple times a year or should so moisture contents key i do have a moisture meter i can tell just by feeling it though like you can you can feel the texture kind of feels greasy yeah that that has a slight greasy feel to it which is just moisture in the wood. If that sits out here, because this has been cut for, well, probably came off the mill a year ago in that pile. So let's say this has been sitting there, normally would have seasoned, would have dried, but all that wood on top of it, because it was in a pile, stopped it from fully drying. So it's seasoned, but not dry. So once that does get exposed now to the sun and because i've split it into a two by two piece of, of wood here it has more surface area so that more moisture can escape so with the sun on it and some wind that's going to dry out pretty quickly now but basically it takes about a, a year per inch to dry out a piece of wood fully to season it that's a good rule of thumb when you're drying out say boards so when i cut on the mill uh, let's say a two inch thick board that would take two years to get down to 12 to 15 percent moisture depending on your heat source inside the in your house or your cabin it could vary so with dry heat in the summer or in the winter with the fire going all the time the moisture level gets quite low in the cabin but then in the winter or in the summer sorry no fire going and also humidity we start to get how the wood starts picking up moisture out of the air and expanding so that's why in the winter let's say a hardwood floor you'll see let's say a four inch wide plank hardwood floor you'll see gaps between the boards in the in the winter when you have that dry heat and the, um, and that air itself is drier because it's the warm air can hold more moisture so you'll get the wood shrinking and you'll get gaps between the boards and then come come summertime the more the hotter it is the more the air can hold the moisture so the more humidity you have and that wood starts expanding and then it closes up those gaps so with firewood like i said you're trying to get that moisture content down now this hardwood that i cut just this year 
that's like 25 to 30 percent moisture so if that stuff you put it in the fire and you can literally just hear it boiling and you can see the water coming out of the end grain so it took takes like 15 20 minutes just to dry the wood out with an existing fire before it really catches and starts putting out heat itself so you end up with a, almost a net no, no net gain in heat so it's a horrible way to to try to heat your place or cook it's almost impossible to cook on that stove especially like when i'm making maple syrup you'll see me trying to use all this kind of garbage wood that's not good for indoor heating and a lot of it's wet or you know it's hardwood or birch or something that's been sitting around and it doesn't generate enough doesn't heat up that top of that wood stove enough to boil the the sap or it takes forever to boil the sap that way if i expose that bottom of that pan to direct flame which i did last year so the the uh, syrup pan sitting on uh, concrete blocks with fire directly underneath so the fire can hit the bottom of it it boils quickly so in a wood stove like this one that doesn't it's not a proper real cook stove so the top is solid steel so i have to heat up that entire steel surface in order to cook and especially to boil things like boil water it takes a lot of heat to generate you have to generate a lot of heat to get that steel heated up enough to boil um, this green wood it might sometimes doesn't even get up to that point where it'll boil the water so i have to find the driest stuff or the uh, pine and stuff like this that has a high flame that a lot of flame is hitting the, that uh, steel top of the uh, wood stove so it's a lot to learn it's a lot of trial and error and like i said it depends on what wood you have in your area you'll get to know the drier um, more dense wood you'll get to know to feel for moisture or to buy a moisture meter and know what moist uh, moisture content you should be aiming for before for certain applications like i said if you're heating cooking or or just having a pleasure fire then you don't really care about the heat as much but again keep an eye on your on your wood stove or in your or your fireplace and your chimney to make sure the crease so it's not building up This will have very little heat value because it's so punky, basically rotten, but it is dry, fairly dry. It'll dry out more. So it might be something I use for burning out here, cooking fire or campfire or something. So I'll put it in there just to keep it dry. I won't keep it in there forever. 
good maple there. Nice and dry, that's why it splits so nicely. It's not cold enough out to be frozen. So that's good. Oh, see, it's rotten in the middle though, right? So that steals some of the heat energy. But otherwise, that hard piece that's not punky, that's good like overnight firewood. Just kind of putting it off to one side. The better hardwoods off to one side, softwood and kindling type pieces are on this side. I've had a few people comment or ask me why I'm putting firewood or stacking the firewood bark up like that. But I only do that when I'm stacking it outside. So when it's outside in a pile, I want the water to hit that and run off. And if it's if all the pieces are like this, as the water's going down, it keeps running off the bark on all of them, all the way to the ground. If I'm putting it under cover like this, I'm doing it bark down, and I'm trying as often as possible to get the bark to fall off as I'm splitting. This is on there pretty good though, so that's not going to come off. So if I put it in this pile under cover where rain's not going to hit it, the moisture can escape from this a lot easier than it can... Like it's easier to drive some moisture up than it is to drive it down and out. So, like I said, all these are getting stacked under cover like this. And some of them, well that, so some of the times I'm splitting it because it, when, you're, when you split it, a lot of times that bark will, will loosen itself. And it's not in this case, so I'm just going to leave it like that. Store it, smaller pieces down here, bigger pieces up there, bark down. Bark doesn't burn great, contrary to what you might think, because it looks like little pieces of wood, so you think that's something that could be burned kind of like a kindling. But bark, one of the main, one of the purposes of an outer bark on a tree is to protect the tree from the elements, including fire. So it's a hard surface. In fact, there's, you could have a fire go through here and a lot of these trees, if the bark's up high enough or the branches are up high enough, they're not catching on fire. You can have like a completely healthy tree, a fine tree. It doesn't get damaged by the, the uh, fire. Like the fire doesn't catch the bark in other words. So trying to burn bark is not ideal, but the worst thing about it, it holds moisture in and also bugs like I'm finding especially because this wood was piled on the ground over there finding lots of wood with with the larvae beetle larvae underneath the bark on the wood of course I don't have an example right here I am finding lots of actual beetles but also lots of uh, white larvae hard maple and good size that firebox is big so it can actually take like 20 inch plus wood 